today on Adventures in Faith with Jerry Savell. His favor is for a lifetime. You have the favor of God on your life, and the favor of God enables you to become a barrier breaker. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12. I know you're all familiar with it. Verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anybody want to be in the perfect will of God? Then obviously it takes the renewing of the mind to get there. And that is a process that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. You don't wake up one day after you've been in this 10 or 12 years and say, okay, I got her done. My mind has been renewed. As long as you're on this planet, you have access to wrong information. And so you are continually renewing your mind. And now he says that we are not to be conformed to this world. Listen to how the message translation reads. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God's will. Be changed from the inside out. Don't just fit into your culture without even thinking about it. That's what a lot of Christians do. They don't even think about it. They just fit in. They just get in the flow. Whatever the world says, they accept that as being final authority. We have a higher, we have a higher source, uh, higher information. You know, something they say may be factual, but it may not be the highest form of reality that exists. That's what Jesus refers to as the truth. The word is truth, God's word, the highest form of reality that exists. So don't allow the world to just cause you to slip into uh, their way of thinking. If you do, then you're going to be limited. You're not going to reach the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen? It's so easy to just accept the limitations that the world places on us. And if you listen to the world, they're always telling you, you can't do this, you can't have this, you can't be this. Well, I quit believing them a long, long time ago. Amen. Anybody else follow that? I remember when I was uh, uh, just a, a kid, I was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, on a farm that my grandfather had purchased in 1927. It's where my dad was raised. Uh, my grandfather uh, went through the depression there on that farm. My dad remembers those days. He was just a, a young boy. And then I was born in 1946. And even though my grandfather, or God got my grandfather through the depression, I like to say it this way, he got him out of the depression, but my grandfather never got depression out of him. He still thought that way. He never trusted another bank as long as he lived. He buried his money on the farm. When I found that out as a kid, I became a treasure hunter. <laughs> I found money buried all over that farm. I found it in the middle of, of bales of hay. I found it, uh, I found it up in a hayloft. I found it in the old Model A pickup. 
under the seat, you know. I found it everywhere. In fact, when my grandparents died, my father inherited the place. When he died, I inherited the place. And before I sold it, I made sure I'd looked in every nook and every cranny. <laughs> Didn't want to miss out on any of the grandpa's money, you know. But he, he, he was a miser. I mean, he, he, he just, he, he'd, he'd go to four stores to save 10 cents on something. But when I was born, you know, I, I was the first grandchild and, and, you know, I guess first grandchildren have something going for them. He, 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 he treated me like I was royalty, you know. And uh, so I pretty much got whatever he decided I needed. But uh, I loved my grandfather. He was a fine man. But my dad moved us from Vicksburg to Shreveport, Louisiana when I was about six or seven years old. And then every summer I would go back to Vicksburg and spend my summers there. But if my dad had not moved us out of Vicksburg away from my grandfather, I would have grown up with the same mentality that he did. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. I, I would have thought like he thought. And uh, it, it was really God that got my dad to move out of Vicksburg because he thought Jesus was coming back and set his throne up in Vicksburg, Mississippi. <laughs> and he, he would have never moved away from there, but he had a, a friend that he grew up with that was a mechanic, a uh, master mechanic, and he had moved to Shreveport and he called my dad and said, uh, and he called him J.W., it was Jerry Wallace. He said, uh, J.W., if you move to Shreveport, you can make more money. My dad worked at the Studebaker dealership in Vicksburg uh, doing body work. And he said, if you move to Shreveport, you can make a little more money. So dad moved us to Shreveport where he started working for the Ford Motor Company uh, Andrews Ford in the paint body shop making $48 a week. And uh, from there, he continued to progress. And even though I did not, I was not raised in an affluent family. We were not poor. We didn't go without, but we certainly didn't have an abundance. Dad kept clothes on our back and food on our table. He worked hard. And, uh, uh, and just, just getting me out of Vicksburg, Mississippi, away from my grandfather. Uh, and then finally, later, when Carol and I married in 1966, and I came to the Lord in 1969 through Kenneth Copeland's ministry and began to learn the Word of God, that's when everything changed for me. I mean, I still, I still had uh, this negative mentality uh, before I, I learned the Word, before I heard Brother Copeland speak the first time. And he, he introduced me to this chapter in the book of Romans. Don't be conformed to this world. Well, we're all that way before we come to Christ. We just, we just believe whatever the world tells us. How many of you remember the old commercial? Uh, some of you are not old enough, but there was an old commercial on television that came on quite often. And it, and it said, uh, this lady said, if, if there's winters, there'll be colds. And then she was advertising some kind of cold medicine. And I thought we needed it, so I went and got it, just in case. How many of you have ever, ever thought about a medicine cabinet? Every bathroom had a medicine cabinet. And when you open ours, it's full of medicine. That's what it's for, medicine cabinet. Everybody had a medicine cabinet. Amen? 
And and then TV commercial come on and they'd advertise something else and, and they said, we're going to get it. You know, one commercial said, as long as there's husbands and winters, there will be cold. Well, I was a husband and winter was coming. So I got their medicine, you know. And so, uh, you know, and consequently, everything they said I'd get, I got. Got to, if, they, if they said the cold season's coming, the flu season's coming, we got it. And I remember one time uh, going to uh, the church that Carolyn grew up in after I came to the Lord, and uh, somebody mentioned about, by his stripes, we are healed. They preached a sermon on it. I never heard anything like that in my life. I went back home. I said, Carolyn, I opened the medicine cabinet. I said, why have we got all this if by his stripes we're healed? Why can we keep buying all this stuff? Boy, I emptied everything out of that medicine cabinet and, and never used it again, praise God. I don't have a medicine cabinet anymore. I got scriptures in mine. It's a healing cabinet, praise God. <laughs> Amen. I remember one time when I first met Charles Capps, uh, Charles was still full-time farmer. He was just beginning his teaching ministry and and his daughter, Annette, came to a meeting I was doing in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, at the end of the service, she came up to me, and I didn't know who she was. She said, uh, you sound like my daddy. I said, well, who's your daddy? She said, well, not many people know him, but they will someday. And I said, well, what's his name? She said, Charles Capps. She said, if I ask my dad and mom to come tomorrow night to the meeting, you think you might be able to go to dinner with them? I'd like for you to meet them. I said, yeah, I probably could. So they came the next night and we all went to dinner and found out Charles and I talked the same language and we became immediate friends. So Charles was going to an Assembly of God church there in England, Arkansas, and he was trying to get his pastor uh, enthusiastic about the word of faith. And his pastor was just kind of put the brakes on. So Charles said, I'm going to ask my pastor if I can invite you to come. Maybe he'll listen to you because he won't listen to me. And so he, he, he asked him and he said, yeah, sure, let him come. We'll have him for three nights. So uh, got there and, and uh, pastor introduced me and, and during my meeting, he got up and walked out. Him and his wife walked out. The next night he introduced me and he didn't even stay for my opening message, he, opening lines. He just got up and walked out. And the, and the third night uh, he stood up and he said, uh, the first night this young man was here, I thought he was just a smart aleck. Didn't know the Bible. Hadn't been to the seminary, thank God. And uh, <laughs> he said, made me so mad I couldn't sit in the room with him. And my wife and I went home and we talked all night about everything he said that was wrong. And said, but last night we're sitting in bed there just, just fuming over what he preached. And he said, you know, I'm going to prove to that young boy that everything he said was wrong. And he got his Bible out and found out I was right. <laughs> and he stood up that night and said, I just want you to know, young man, I appreciate you not compromising. I learned some things. And he said, my wife and I had a book burning last night. We burned all our religious books and now we're ready to receive, praise God. Amen. Well, sometimes even Christians can put limitations on you. Even some denominations can put limitations on you. Amen. So notice we live in a world that has limitations, 
but the Bible tells us not to be conformed to the world. We don't have to be limited with what they're limited with. Can you say amen? amen? So I wrote in my notes this afternoon, we're not to live an inferior, average, or second-rate lifestyle. Who would agree with that? We are not to live a, an inferior, average, or second-rate lifestyle, nor are we to be lacking in exceptional qualities or abilities. Instead, as the Apostle Paul said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All things. Everybody say, all things. All. We can do all things. That means we have no limitations. We have no limitations. The Amplified Bible says, I am ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses inner strength into me. And the message translation says, I can make it through anything through the one who makes me who I am. And who are we? Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. The Passion Translation says, even in the midst of all these things, hardships, challenges, adversities, we triumph over them all, for God has, has, has made us to be more than conquerors. Does that sound like a limited lifestyle to you? Does that sound like that we're to live like the rest of the world? Not at all, praise God. So look uh, look at your neighbor and say, no more ordinary lifestyle for me. Tell somebody else, no more living a mundane lifestyle. And never again will it be an unmarkable lifestyle. No more ordinary living for me. And now tell somebody, I'm not normal. Amen. I'm not normal. I quit being normal 54 years ago. Hallelujah. It's been said, God has placed seeds of greatness in every one of us. Seeds of greatness. I agree with that. Do you remember what God said to Abraham when he conferred the blessing on him? Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and I'm moving quickly. You can look up these verses later. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I will bless thee and make thy name great. The Amplified Bible says, I will make your name famous and distinguished. What does distinguished mean? It means marked with a difference. In other words, you're not to be like the rest of the world. In some cases, you're not even to be like the rest of your family. I remember my dad told me one time, uh, that we had a, I had a great aunt, his aunt, that lived in Florida, and uh, he always called her a, uh, an old maid school teacher. She'd never married, and she was a seven-day Adventist school teacher. And she, she, my dad started sending her my books and and recordings of messages and so forth. And she listened to them, and every time he would talk to her, she'd say, "I want to meet Jerry because I'd never met her growing up." And she said, I want to meet Jerry. And so my dad would come back from Florida after visiting with her and said, she really wants to meet you, son. When, when you go back to Florida again, let's, let's make it a point to go see her. So finally we went to see her. And she had, she had traced the family tree as back as far as she could trace it. 
And, and the reason, she, she, when she wanted to see me, she was up in age. She knew she was about to go home, be with the Lord. And she said, and I wanted to talk to you before I left this planet. She said, I've studied our family tree and I just wanted to tell you, there's never been a Savelle who lives like you. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, there's never been a Savelle that lives like you. I said, why? She said, because they didn't know what you know. I thought that was interesting. They didn't know what you know. She said, I've studied the family tree as far back as I can trace it. And she said, there have been very few who made a mark in the world, but you've made a mark. You're not like the rest of us. Hallelujah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Amen. I'm not like the rest of them. I'm not like the rest of my family. Now, a lot of times people use that as an excuse. Well, you don't understand the way I was brought up. You don't understand my family. You don't understand the color of my skin. You don't understand my background. You don't understand I don't have any education. Well, I'm sure glad it's not education that qualifies us. I mean, I made it through high school. I went to Louisiana Tech for a time. Then I went to Northwestern for a time. And then I went to another college for a time. And then I got called up for active duty. And then when I got back from active duty in the Army, I decided I'm through with education. I don't want to go to school anymore. All I want to do is work on cars. So education is not, you know, and I'm not against education, but it didn't get me where I am. In fact, I served on Oral Roberts board, ORU board for 20 years. Brother Roberts was always trying to get me to come back and finish. I only had three semesters to graduate and he was always trying to get me to come back and graduate. And I said, I called him one day. I said, Brother Roberts, after I'd been in the ministry for 40 something years, I said, uh, I think I might come back to college at ORU and see if I can make something of myself. <laughs> he said, I don't think you need us now, Brother Jerry. Amen. So it wasn't education, even though I'm not against education, get all the education you can, but don't let it be a substitute for the word of God because it's the word of God that will transform you and cause you to not be conformed to this world. Can you say amen? amen. So notice here, once again, uh, God conferred the blessing on Abraham and said, through it, your name will become famous and your name will become distinguished or marked as a difference. So you could say it like this, not like the rest of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm supposed to be distinguished. Think of somebody else and say, how does it feel sitting next to a distinguished person? <laughs> Amen. And remember, it didn't end with Abraham. Paul picks up on this in Galatians chapter three and says, if we be Christ or if we belong to Christ, then the blessing of Abraham is on us as well. So you and I have that same blessing and we have the same benefits of it. And as a result of learning how to walk in the blessing, then eventually your name will be known. 
Why? Because there will be characteristics or virtues or attributes of the, of the blessing of God on your life. And I like to say it this way. Eventually, somebody is going to come ask you, how are you doing this? And where are you getting all this? And you can say without any hesitation, it's the God I serve and it's his blessing on my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Praise God. Say this with me. I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be successful. I'm supposed to prosper. I'm supposed to go far in life. I have potential to break barriers. Well, give the Lord a good shout over that. Praise God. You have God-given potential to break barriers. Psalm 30, verse 5, and this is one of the ways that you can break barriers. Psalm 30, verse 5, the Amplified Version says, His favor is for a lifetime. Amen. You have the favor of God on your life. Yes, and the favor of God enables you to become a barrier breaker. In fact, uh, I, I've written books. In fact, I, I, I'd say, I believe I can say this without uh, sounding egotistical or prideful. Uh, that's been my signature message ever since I've been in the ministry. God taught me, the first thing he taught me was how to walk in the favor of God. And he said, uh, there'll be a time when I'll hold you responsible for teaching others how to walk in it as you do. And he said, the favor of God on your life is going to open doors that no man can shut. The favor of God is going to change rules and regulations and policies in your behalf. And he said, and I'm going to hold you responsible for teaching others to walk in it as you do. And over the years, I have produced more books, more resources, more, more series on the subject of the favor of God than perhaps any other minister of our generation. And the Lord told me back there in those early days, there will come a day when your, your name will be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life. Well, that didn't happen immediately, but it certainly has happened. In fact, nearly everywhere I go, I get introduced to Dr. Favor, Brother Favor, Let's welcome Mr. Favor. Favor gives you advantage. Yes, it, does. it gives you advantage. Amen. It'll cause you to have preferential treatment. Yeah. I remember one time I was uh, preaching in South Africa to the Zulus and went into a village, uh, a Zulu village, and the chief uh, invited me into his hut. And when I walked in there, uh, it was so dark and I couldn't even see. And, and of course, he was so dark. It, it, you could barely see your hands in front of your face. And I had to have an interpreter. And he said, the uh, first thing he asked me was, where do you get your power? And I told the interpreter, tell him the Holy Spirit. And I said, and where do you get your power? He said, evil spirits. He said, but when you came in my hut, your spirit is stronger than my spirit. That's what he said. And I, I led him to the Lord, praise God. Led him to the Lord. So uh, th when I got ready to leave, he, he brought out something he wanted to give me. And it was an ancestral, uh, uh, what was that? A spear, yeah. That had belonged from generations before him. And he's been passed down from one generation to another. And he wanted me to have it as a gift. And so it was very special. So I got to Cape Town and now I'm, I got to fly to England. 
And, and I walked up to the counter with my spear. Checked my luggage in. I was going to carry that spear on board with me. Yeah, I didn't want it to get in, you know, broken in the cargo. And the lady said, you can't carry that on board. I said, you don't understand. This, this, this is a very special spear. She said, I, I, I'm sorry, but you can't carry that on board. I said, I'll, I'll put it up in the luggage and I won't pull it down. She said, no, that, that's not permissible. Well, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around and it was a, a captain. And he said, what, what flight are you on? I told him, he said, I'm flying that. He said, I'll put it up in the cockpit. When we get to London, I'll give it to you. My spear had a better seat than I did. <laughs> and when we got to London, I walked off of my spear and I went up to the next counter and had the same situation. You can't carry that, that spear on board to DFW. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, what flight are you on? I told him, American Airlines, this flight number. He said, uh, I'm one of the pilots on that flight. Give it to me. I'll put it up in the cockpit. My spear flew all the way from Cape Town, South Africa in the cockpit. <laughs> Do you not call that the favor of God? Hallelujah. Why do some Christians thrive while others seem to just struggle? Is it possible for you to experience a greater level of God's goodness and favor? Today's faith-building offer, Experiencing God's Best Special Package, contains Jerry Savelle's new book, God's Maximum, and his revealing four-part audio series, Why Some Aren't Experiencing God's Best. Learn how to strengthen your faith and refuse to allow Satan to rob you of God's best. In this package, Jerry reveals the prerequisite for receiving God's promises, what qualifies you for the maximum, the six reasons why people quit, and the missing ingredient in many believers' lives. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Experiencing God's Best special package. Do you value the blessing of God on your life and what it can produce for you? Begin to order your lives in accordance with God's way and put yourself in position to receive His best. It's been a great joy sharing these messages with you for the last several weeks, talking about why some never experienced God's best in their lives. Don't let that be your story. You can experience everything God has promised. What you need to learn to do is just be steadfast. Refuse to compromise. Make the decision. You've heard me say this so many times on this broadcast. If you attend my meetings anywhere in the nation, you've probably heard me say it many times. Make up your mind that quitting, turning back is no longer an option. If you make that decision, then you're going to position yourself to experience everything that God has promised you. Remember what Jesus said, if you continue in my word, that's the key, continue, continue. Say it with me, if I continue, that's the key to experiencing God's best and you can have it if you make that decision that never again, compromise, turning back, quitting, that's not gonna be your story ever, ever again, amen? Let me encourage you to order these messages, a resource package, because this is the uh, last time actually that we will be offering it. Four CDs on why some are not experiencing God's best. Thoroughly talking about how that you can position yourself and remove the hindrances that have kept you from receiving God's best in the past and position you to re receive them now for the rest of your life. Think about that. 
begin to receive God's best for the rest of your life. And then my new book, God's Maximum, Experiencing God's Ultimate, All That God Has Promised, Going to the Maximum Level That Is Obtainable. You can do it. God has given you the ability, given you the power, and you can do it. And if you just make up your mind that you're going to have God's best, then get ready. God is going to honor that commitment. Thank you for ordering these information or these resources. Rather, the information is on your screen right now. So place your order and join us again next week for a brand new set of lessons. And until then, remember, your faith will overcome the world.